You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join us every Monday as we pull back the curtain on Mormon history, culture, and doctrine. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism. All right, today I'm joined in the studio again by Bo and KD. And guys, today we're starting kind of a new series because for the next several weeks, I mean, maybe 12, 13 weeks, we're going to be covering what are called the gospel topic essays from uh, L- the Church of Jesus Christ.org. So this is the official Mormon website. Bo, I think it's important for us to start by explaining what these are and then also explaining what they mean to you, because I think for you and KD, uh, these have been really fundamental to your journey out of Mormonism. And a lot of our listeners today might be listening to this with some of the same questions and maybe even the same goal. They just want to know the truth. So let's start with this, Bo. I want to I read something from just the introduction to the Gospel Topic Essays. And again, this is official content from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And here's what it says. Recognizing that today so much information about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can be obtained from questionable and often inaccurate sources, officials of the LDS Church began in 2013 to publish straightforward, in-depth essays on a number of topics. That's what we're reading. The purpose of these essays, which have been approved by the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, has been to gather accurate information from many different sources and publications and place it in the Gospel Topics section of their website, where the material can be more easily accessed and studied by church members and other interested parties. And Bo, this is where we pick up your story, right? Because at this time in 2013, you were a seminary teacher. People have heard your story before on this podcast. So when these came out, you were excited. Yeah, I was. I was I was pumped because... I had avoided all of those questionable sources that they reference here, right? Mm. Um, uh, in favor of church-supported material. So when they released these essays, I was pumped to be able to study them, understand the context that uh, that they're presented in, and really dive into some of those more controversial issues so, so that I could, one, understand it for myself better, but two, teach it to my students, right? And when we went through these, uh, and when I studied them personally, it became clear to me that um, the questions only got bigger, and uh, my doubts got bigger, and and it also became fairly clear to me that uh, you know, as I even I, I studied all of the footnotes, I studied every source that they referenced. Mm. It 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 caused me to question quite a bit, and and, and it ultimately, I I stopped teaching seminary. Um, in large part due to studying of these essays and realizing I, I couldn't teach it anymore. And so I changed career paths. And then, you know, obviously it, it, we've kind of detailed our story here. Katie and I decided to leave um, Mormonism and and in an effort to find Jesus. And, and you know, we, we, we've become Christians. And so it's it's been an awesome journey for us and just, uh, you know, praise God for it. But, but these essays were pivotal in in my journey towards, towards faith. And so, um, yeah, I thought it would be, uh, kind of a good exercise for us to go through these essays and understand, you know, some of the more controversial issues from the church's point of view, the LDS church's point of view, because, you know, it would be easy for us to pull, uh, all of those questionable sources that they reference. But I think it's important that we, that we tackle these issues from, from their standpoint and, and understand where they're coming from. 
And so we're going to be talking about the first one today is our Mormons Christian. These are their titles, Becoming Like God, which again, straight from the, the Mormon scholars, what they say about becoming like God. And then we'll talk about Book of Mormon and DNA studies. I'm literally just reading through the titles of these, of, of these essays. Then we'll talk about Book of Mormon translation. Then we'll talk about first vision accounts, the Joseph Smith visions. Then we'll talk about Smith's teachings about priesthood, temple, women. We'll talk about plural marriage, translation, and historicity of the Book of Abraham. We'll talk about race and the priesthood. So really, I mean, people are listening to this saying, oh, you guys are going to come at this with guns blazing. No, this is these are the, the titles of the Gospel Topics essays. And again, as you said, Bo, the whole reason is they were trying to sort of get ahead of this and give a good explanation, a good apologetic, so that a, a seminary teacher like you could share this with your students and really help them to understand the stuff that the internet was going to be throwing at Mormons for you, it opened your eyes. I don't know if it opened any of your students' eyes, but it, it definitely opened your eyes. And it took several years, but eventually you did leave the Mormon church to find the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I actually avoided bringing these up in my in my class after I read them because I just realized I, I just can't teach it, right? And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to go through these. Uh, again, we're, we're not coming at this with a bunch of material, we're, we're going to be reading through the essays as published by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, to understand their point of view as well as to understand like a biblical Christian's point of view. Um, and maybe some similarity, similarities and then obviously some differences too. So starting with the, the first essay that was published, and again, these were published back in 2013. Um, starting with the first essay uh, on the site uh, is Are Mormons Christian? All right, here's straight from the Gospel Topic essay. Here's what they say. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints unequivocally affirm themselves to be Christians. I think we need to stop already, Bo. Help us understand this statement. Yeah, I think, I think we have to understand... Maybe let's, let's think, okay, what, what does it mean to be Christian here, Brian? Because, um, yeah, members of the Church unequivocally affirm themselves to be Christian. That's, that's a bold statement. Um, so let's understand what it means to be Christian. It, and maybe let, let's talk to a, a Christian pastor. Brian, you're a Christian pastor. What, what does it mean to be Christian? Well, I, you know, I think obviously it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so in that definition, a Mormon would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. But the big question that I would ask somebody, anyone, LDS or otherwise, I would say is, okay, who is Jesus? In fact, we say this all the time at our church. The most important thing about you is what you believe about Jesus. Because what you believe about Jesus is the only thing that impacts your eternal destiny. That's what we teach. We, the Bible makes it so clear that, that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Not just faith in anyone, but faith in the biblical Jesus. So if your picture of Jesus, if your understanding of Jesus is wrong... Then, then your faith is broken. Your faith can't save you. And so for me, my, my answer to that is, you know, Jesus is who the Bible says he is. We've talked about this on other episodes before. I encourage people to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes in the podcast, but Jesus is fully God. He's, he's, not, he's fully God and fully human. He took on flesh 2,000 years ago, made his dwelling among us, went to the cross, died on the cross, fully God and fully human. And so this picture of Jesus, this biblical picture of Jesus is very, very different than the Mormon picture of Jesus. And I think Mormons would agree with that. Maybe it would be good for you to explain it, because it's one thing for an evangelical pastor to explain it. 
but I think you might do a better job of explaining how you see Jesus differently today than you did five, ten years ago in the Mormon church. I see him, and Bo and I see him really differently. Um, I remember going through Pursue God and really learning who Jesus um, is biblically, and I remember feeling an overwhelming sense of of awe because the the biblical Jesus is is huge and I know I've said this on this podcast before but he is God he came down as a man to take upon himself all of our sins and then died on the cross and then rose again so He's not our big brother. He's not just a volunteer from a sea of spirits, spirit children, right? He's not somebody who just volunteered to come down and die for everybody's sins. He is God. So that, to me, that's a huge difference in how you view Jesus Christ and how your relationship to Jesus um, can grow, even looking through these gospel topic essays, for a Christian, for my church, the gospel is all about Jesus. It is fundamentally about Jesus is at the very center of the gospel. And yet you, re- you think through what we're going to be talking about over these next several weeks, and there's very little Jesus. There's, there's, we're going to be talking about plural marriage. We're going to be talking about Joseph. We're going to be talking about the Book of Mormon and translations and first vision accounts. All the stuff we're going to be talking about and these are called gospel topics essays. So to me, that's just right away that just shouts at me that maybe, maybe that even though Jesus Christ is in the name of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's really not fundamentally, we've talked about this before, it's not really fundamentally about Jesus. And again, I've said it before on this podcast, there are Christian churches, quote unquote, Christian churches that aren't really even about Jesus. And so I would tell people, stay away from those churches too. So listeners, if you're going to a church, Mormon or otherwise, that doesn't really ever talk about Jesus, it's not central to the gospel, then I would say find another church. But back to the essay, because what we're going to be basically talking about, the way they outline this particular essay is they, they say we're going to talk about creeds, number one. Number two, we're going to talk about this idea of the restoration, that the Mormon church is the restored church. I'm, I'm really interested to talk about that with you guys. And then finally, we're going to talk about the canon, because that's how they lay it out. Creeds, restoration, and the canon. So the first thing is, the first claim that they make in this essay is that Latter-day Saints do not accept the creeds of post-New Testament Christianity. Bo, kind of walk us through this. Again, probably Mormons listening to this, I would, would, would you say that most Mormons understand that? Like, do, if you're a Mormon in the Mormon church, would you understand that you kind of throw the creeds under the bus? A Mormon would understand that there was uh, they their belief in a great apostasy, and so they would throw the creeds out the window because they believed that the church had already fallen away before Scripture was formed and the creeds were established. Right, so which again is where they get their uh, their struggle with the Bible and believing it's only true as if it's translated correctly, and then they rely on Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible in order to believe it, right? Yeah, let's do some history here real quick for people who don't know what we're talking about with creeds. So the church was started in the first century AD. Jesus, 
you know, lives, walks, dies, rises again. The church gets started in the early. So, you know, Paul wrote his letters, you know, around 50 AD, somewhere in there, 50 to 60 AD. The gospels were all written by 90 AD. So by the end of the first century, all of the scripture that we have in the Bible, all, all, all New Testament books have already been written and are in circulation among Christian churches in 90 AD. Okay, so creeds, the councils and the creeds of the of the Roman Catholic Church would have been in, you know, 325, 300, 325, 400. So creeds of Const- the Con- Council of Constantinople, the Nicene Council, and the creeds that came out of those, that's what that's what we're referring to here is Mormons say that those creeds were not good. The church had been, had already fallen away at that point. So they reject all those creeds. In fact, they say right here in the essay, they say the key ideological shift that began in the second century AD after the loss of apostolic authority resulted from a conceptual merger of Christian doctrine with Greek philosophy. So this is what they're claiming. They're saying that there was this, they call it the great apostasy when the apostles are dead and gone, and now the church just goes defunct, right? Which is going to lead us to the next thing we'll talk about, which is the restored church. But, but Bo, did I get that right? What did I miss, and and how would Mormons articulate that? Yeah, no, that's that's how a Mormon would articulate it for sure. And and again, the the authority is important here, right? The Mormons um, believe that the authority and power of God is the priesthood, um, not the promise of the Holy Spirit being the power of God. It would be the the, it was the priesthood given to the apostles, right? And so when the apostles died, that authority is what they reference here in the in the essay is lost from the earth, and that's what causes all of the mayhem essentially for the next 150 years before the official church is formed, the creeds are established, scripture is de- essentially decided on, and now. At that point, Mormons believe that that is what they would call post-New Testament Christianity, which they would disagree with. So when they say we're, you know, Mormons are Christians, what they're really saying is Mormons are Christians, but we don't believe in post-New Testament Christianity. So what they're, what they're claiming is they're the original Christians. So, so again, we, we go back to the title of this essay, which is Are Mormons Christians? So, so far, they're saying we're, we're Christian, but we don't believe what other Christians believe. Right um, now, I think this this claim is an important one to kind of dissect a bit. So they they don't accept post New Testament creeds, and there's a few reasons that they give in this section. Um, for example, they they say that um, early Christian views of God were more um, anthropomorphic; they were more personal, less abstract. But it's interesting when, uh, like, if that's the claim, then you got to go back to the, the Bible because that's when that's when Jesus was walking, and right after, right? So that is. When the early church was on the earth, uh, what did they say about God, right? And, and I think the Bible is pretty clear about um, who God is and, and, and how powerful he is. Or, or you can go even further back um, to what Jews believed at that time uh, and what Jews believed earlier. Because again, this, is, this, this religion came from Judaism. Jesus came, walked, and then Jews converted to Christianity right then and there, right? So, so even the, the, the Jewish view of God was not one of... God being a human or, or, or human-like, if that makes sense. So, so I, I struggle with this the, the claim that Mormons are making that you know, the early Christians believed in a God who had a body, right, um, like a human, when that's not what the Bible teaches in the New Testament or, or in the Old Testament. 
Okay, so that's the first section in the essay. They talk about this this idea of rejecting the creeds of Christianity. The next section then, and it kind of follows, is that they say that Latter-day Saints believe in a restored Christianity. So here's what they say. I want to read some of this. Bo, KD, I want to get your response. It says, another premise used in arguing that LDS people are not Christians is that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints does, does not descend from the traditional line of today's Christian churches. Latter-day Saints aren't Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or Protestant. Latter-day Saints believe that by the ministering of angels to Joseph Smith, priesthood authority to act in God's name was returned or brought back to earth, just like you said, Bo. This is the restored, not a reformed, Church of Jesus Christ. This helps explain why so many Latter-day Saints from the 1830s to the present have converted from other Christian denominations. These converts did not and do not perceive themselves as leaving the Christian fold. They're simply grateful to learn about and become part of the restored Church of Jesus Christ, which they believe offers the fullness of the Lord's gospel, more complete and rich Christian church, spiritually, organizationally, and doctrinally. <clears throat> so this is a little bit confusing to me, Bo, because it seems like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Like they're, we didn't leave the Christian fold, but are they basically kind of saying you all did? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, think, I think that is essentially the claim of this essay. Um, is no, we're not a reformed church born out of the you know the the Council of Nicaea. We're the original church that was lost and then was restored to Joseph Smith. So when Christians are leaving Christianity and going and converting to Mormonism, they're converting to the true Church of Jesus Christ. Essentially, is what Mormons believe here, and that's kind of their their claim. And I think the interesting thing here is. Okay, what it what about the other way around? So what about someone like me or someone like KD? Um, what do Mormons believe about us? If they if they're claiming to be Christian, if I convert from Mormonism to call it a non-denominational evangelical Christian church, right? Uh, what what is Mormons' view of of that? Because I think it's important, like. Let's say, Brian, I decide I, I want to go to a Baptist church, right? Am I still Christian? Yeah, I'm still Christian, right? If I'm a Baptist, I want to go to a, a non-denominational church. Am I still Christian? Yeah, you're still Christian. You still believe in the core doctrine. You believe that Jesus is your Savior, died for your sins. You, you, you put your faith in him. And you believe that that is what leads to salvation. Like, that is the core doctrine, right? And Mormons, I, I, think, I think this is where it kind of gets, the, the water gets muddy, is I think Mormons don't quite understand that, a Baptist and a non-denominational Christian are both see each other as Christians. I think they, they see it as quite divisive and, and sort of like fractions when, um, when it's really not that way. Yeah, it's interesting. When we planted our church, we moved to Utah 20 plus years ago, planted Alpine Church, and in one of our first homes, we were, we were renting a space, and the owner of the space was LDS, and, he's, and when I explained why we needed the church and what we were doing in Utah, he said, oh, I get that. We totally get that. That's just what Joseph Smith did. And I thought, wait, what? So it was, I think he had the understanding that I was starting a, starting a religion. I wasn't starting a religion. I, was, I, I, wasn't, start, I wasn't starting a restored Christianity or, re, or a reformed or anything. I was... I was starting an ex a local expression. I was planting a local expression of the Christian faith. That's what I was doing. So, so he thought that as a church planter, I was a religion starter. That's not what I was. That's not what I am. I was a 
I planted a, a local congregation that had the same beliefs, the same fundamental beliefs that a Baptist church would have, a Presbyterian church would have, all these, uh, many of these other denominations, the same core beliefs, and we'll get to that. And, and that's a, that, but, but those core beliefs are fundamentally different than the core beliefs of the LDS church. That's why when we came here, we, we did accept when LDS people would come, like you guys, we, we, would, we would teach you what the Bible teaches. That's it. We would teach you what the Bible teaches. You didn't convert to our church. You didn't convert to Alpine Church. You converted to Jesus Christ. You converted to the biblical Jesus. And so if, you've, if God takes you to another church, we'll celebrate with you as you go to another church if you move out of town, or just even if you feel like there's a, a need to worship at another church that's a Bible-believing church, we would celebrate with you as you go because we don't have a claim to you and, uh, and you didn't convert to our church anyway. Yeah, it's, it's similar to right, the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, Right. The church in Rome, right? Like it's it's very similar, right? Th- those were church um, that they were all part of the same church. I just think it's really interesting because um, Mormons do get really offended by by Christians saying, "Well, you're not Christian," but and and it, I think that do, does come from everything you've just talked about. But they see Christian non- denominations as fractions, like you said, but in now coming out of Mormonism, I look back and I see fractions of Mormonism and I see different, you know, like a little trail from Joseph Smith on down where different breakoffs have happened. And those breakoffs from Mormonism really do follow very different beliefs and standards and living practices. And so I just, uh, I think it's just really interesting because uh, the LDS church, the mainstream LDS church just has such a like claim on being the restored church, the only true church. And yet they have so many branches off that they just don't ever talk about. So let me, let me ask you about this because doctrine and covenants, this is one of the standard works in Mormonism scriptures. Chapter 1, verse 30, it says that the Mormon church is the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. That's what you were saying. So, so how did you, as members of the mainline Mormon church, how did you view fundamentalist Mormons? How did you see them? Oh, I didn't see them as Mormon when I was Mormon mm-hmm. at all. I saw them as, you know, people who didn't believe in the real prophet anymore and had decided to do their own thing. And yeah, that's how I saw them. And how did, do you have a sense for how they saw you? Would they have thought the same thing about you? Yeah, I think so. I think the other interesting thing here, Brian, is I probably wouldn't have considered them Christian, Mm. right? Uh, Definitely, I wouldn't have considered them Mormon. And because of that, I wouldn't have considered them Christian. Because again, as a Mormon, especially as a seminary teaching Mormon, I only believed that Mormons had the church, right? So, so yeah, it's quite interesting when you, when you start to take a step back and, and kind of see it from a different lens. Okay, so we've talked about creeds, and we've talked about the, this idea of the restoration, not the reformation, but the restoration. And then the last section in their essay, they talk about the open canon. They, they say the Latter-day, Latter-day Saints believe in an open canon, 
And I think it's important to explain what this means because some of our listeners might not even know what that word is. The open canon just means Christians believe in a closed canon. So our church teaches, Baptist churches, um, non-denominational churches, Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches teach the, the closed canon. What that means is that the 66 books of the Old and New Testament are the only authoritative books of scripture. There's not going to be a 67th book someday. There's not going to be a 68th book someday. That's called the closed canon. The The works of scripture are closed, right? God's not going to reveal anything anymore, anymore that has that kind of authority. Now, that doesn't mean that Christians don't write books and preach sermons and and try to explain scripture, but none of those other subsequent works will ever rise to the level of scripture, okay? But Mormons believe in an open canon. So Mormons believe, obviously, if, if people have been listening to any of our uh, episodes, Mormons have three other scriptures besides the Bible. And really, the Bible doesn't even take precedence, right, over the other ones. So really, the Bible is is would you say is the is the lowest of the four scriptures because it's not really they can't really trust its translation is accurate am i saying that right bo or is there another way to explain that yeah i probably wouldn't call it the lowest however it's the only one with an asterisk next to it right mm-hmm. of, uh we believe in the bible to be the word of god as far as it is translated correctly um which is a pretty interesting claim especially when the bible that they believe in is the you know the king james version of the bible that was printed in the 1600s. Not not saying that's the wrong Bible. I love that Bible. It's beautiful. Uh, but there's plenty of Bibles that are uh, even more accurate now. Uh, and and so it's it's an interesting claim. But yeah, when you say yes, I, I would say it's in a Mormon's view that they study the Bible. In fact, this year they're studying uh, the Bible as their curriculum. Right this year in in, in their uh, Sunday school classes. But um, but it does have that asterisks of as far as is translated correctly. You're not going to see that attached to the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, or the Pearl of Great Price. But you are going to see a gospel topic essay on the interesting translation process of both the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price, which is interesting that we'll put an asterisk next to the Bible, but not not those two. So anyway. Why is the Bible, why does the Bible cause such a problem for Mormons and yet these other scriptures don't? It's a good question. Why does the Bible cause such a problem? I think it's because a Mormon would say it's because there was a falling away from truth. And because that falling away occurred in the second century BC, third century BC, that uh, caused some false doctrines to creep into the printed word of the Bible, essentially, Mm -hmm. is what a Mormon would, would say. Now, that's the PC answer, right? I think when you ask, well, why? Why is the Bible cause for concern? Why, why do they have to put an asterisk of as far as it's translated correctly? I, I think it's because Joseph Smith taught things that are uh, that, that go against what the Bible teaches, if I'm being honest. And, and as, as someone who's taught um, and studied for years that uh, Mormonism and, and as someone who has kind of seen it for what, it, for what I believe it is, like, yeah, it, it's pretty clear, right, that Joseph Smith taught things that the Bible doesn't teach. Um, or, or definitely stretches things. Like, for example, you mentioned temples, right? There's no mention of the necessity of temples by Jesus, or in fact, very, quite the opposite, right? He came to fulfill the law uh, and establish a new covenant, which is his atonement. Like, nowhere in there does it say that you have to attend the temple, that you have to get endowed, that you have to be sealed, like, none of that. 
if it was translated incorrectly, easy, don't can't we just use the Joseph Smith translation because because that must be the correct translation. But yet the Mormon church uses the King James version, not the Joseph Smith translation. So I know I, we're going to get into some weeds here. We'll cover this later, but give me the quick, like one minute answer to that. Yeah. I mean, basically they don't, I don't think they have the publication rights to the full Joseph Smith translation. It's the, it's one of the branch, the branch offs uh, that has publication rights over the Joseph Smith translation. So they have, certain excerpts from the Joseph Smith translation. So they'll include it in like a footnote. So for Christians out there that have like a study Bible, right? Um, that's, that's essentially what the Mormon version of the King James uh, Bible looks like. It's, it's a study Bible with a bunch of footnotes and, and you'll look at some of those footnotes. Some take you to different scriptures. Some take you to a Joseph Smith translation of that verse. This is also interesting back to the gospel topic. essay. here's what they say. And this one I had to really give some thought to, and I'm going to read it, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to explain my answer to it. It says, In truth, the argument for exclusion by closed canon appears to be used selectively to exclude the Latter-day Saints from being called Christian, because no branch of Christianity limits itself, according to this essay, entirely to the biblical text and making doctrinal decisions and, impl- and applying biblical principles, which, by the way, let me just say something about that. The closed canon is not about making doctrinal decisions and applying biblical principles. That's what everyone does no matter what you believe in. So that's a little bit... Already this article is leading us down a deceptive path, but here's what they write. Roman Catholics, for example, turn to church tradition and the magisterium, meaning teachers, including popes and councils, for answers. Protestants, particularly evangelicals, turn to linguists and scripture scholars for their answers, as well as to post-New Testament church councils and creeds. For many Christians, these councils and creeds are every bit as canonical as the Bible itself. To establish doctrine and to understand the biblical text, Latter-day Saints turn to living prophets and to additional books of scripture, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price. Now, when I first read this, my first thought was, huh, no one's ever said that to me before. So I had to really think about what they were saying. I thought, well, is this a good argument? And the more I thought about it, the more fired up I got, guys, because this is completely twisting, A, what it even means that, that we believe as Christians that there's a closed canon. We do not look at the creeds as canonical. Even though we believe in the creeds, the creeds and the councils from you know 325, 400, those, the creeds of, of Nicaea, for example. Let me give you just an example of what the Nicene Creed says, just a few things. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. I could read the rest of this, but basically it's just an affirmation of what the Bible says. That's what it is. That's what a creed is. It's an affirmation of what the Bible says. Creeds are not canonical. The, the creeds are not a part of the canon. We don't, we don't believe in the creeds like we believe in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Genesis, Deuteronomy. Creeds are summaries of what Christians believed thousands of years ago. And guess what? It's what we still believe today. It's only the Mormon church, well, other churches like that, that are not biblical, biblically based, that are going to make these kinds of statements that we're actually using linguists and scholars and considering that stuff canonical. We love that we have scholars. We love that we have linguists, but they're not Paul. They're not, they're, their writings are helping us to understand scripture. 
that they're not adding the 67th book, the 68th book. But when I read that, I think it's really twisting and misinterpreting what it means that the canon is closed for Christians. I think this is where the debate comes from, essentially, right? Where where Mormons are, are they wrote an entire essay about are Mormons Christian um, because of their pretty pretty bold claims that that mainstream Christianity doesn't actually believe in a closed canon, even though they say they do, and that mainstream Christianity doesn't believe in the true God, even though they say they do. Like they're making a lot of claims about Christians, but for for a Christian to make a claim about a Mormon, all of a sudden there's a problem, <laughs> which is confusing to me. It's it's interesting that they take issue, for example, with evangelicals turning to linguists and scripture scholars, like to help provide context to scripture, isn't that like exactly what you want? <laughs> Don't you want to understand the original text and, and how it translates and uh, like what the author was getting at? Like I just, that, that I don't understand why that's a problem. It's interesting because what they're, they're saying is that the tools that a Protestant or evangelical would use to understand the Bible itself, um, that is why a Christian should believe in an open canon. And yet those tools are only being used to understand what the Bible says, like Bo said, the context around it. These are things that we use to study the Bible because the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is all God has, all we need because God has given us that. So there is no reason to, for us to say we believe in an open canon because the tools we use to understand the Bible are only for understanding what God's word is telling us, um, not to put our faith into linguists or scholars, not to lean on them for a testimony. It's to help us come to know God through God's word. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you look at, um, Christianity and, and like just the fundamental beliefs in Jesus and who God is and, and, um, how we receive salvation, like that hasn't changed. Right. And, and there's quite a few teachings in Mormonism that have changed because of the belief in uh, modern day prophets, right? And and when a modern day prophet says one thing about a blood atonement, and and when a modern day prophet says another thing about um, polygamy, and when another prophet says something else about um, blacks in the priesthood, again, we're going to cover a lot of these in these essays, in this series. Like stuff changes, um, and I'm grateful that God revealed His Word in the Bible, and that we don't have to worry or wonder if things are going to change. Um, as the world changes around us, we can rely on God's Word and its truthfulness and its clarity and its purity. So here's the conclusion. It says, Converts across the world continue to join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in part because of its doctrinal and spiritual distinctiveness. Now that's really interesting that they call it distinctiveness. When we call this, we, what we would call distinctive in a, in a Christian denomination is maybe the style of music, the way you do communion, the way you do baptism, maybe, you know, maybe kind of the dress code, maybe in some churches, a priest might wear a little bit of a garment in our church. I just wear, you know, jeans and a t-shirt or whatever. That's distinctive for me. I wouldn't say 
who Jesus is, is a distinctive. I wouldn't say what you believe about Satan being his brother is a distinctive. I wouldn't say that believing that uh, that we can become God someday is a distinctive. The, those are outside of the boundaries of core biblical Christianity. So I, I really take issue with them kind of saying it's just a, like a, about a distinctiveness, like we're almost like we're another denomination. I remember that for years when we first moved here, we would go and take tours at the temple and the missionaries, the missionaries were had a had their line whenever you would take a tour. And about 10 years ago, we noticed the missionaries started calling the church a denomination, the Mormon church a denomination. And I remember they did not say that 20 years ago. And about 10 years ago, they started saying that. And I kind of raised my hand. I said, wait a second, are you sure you're supposed to say that? Because I don't think I don't think you're a denomination. And, and these sweet missionaries were like, no, we're... A I mean, they were reading from the script. They're, so the Mormon church now calls itself a denomination. That itself is a new thing. Maybe it kind of came out with these gospel topic essays. It was right around that time where they really started to pivot and essentially say that we're a denomination just like any other Christian church. Yeah, there, there was quite a pivot. Um when President Nelson actually became the prophet. So he, he was big on endorsing the name of the church, right? Um, and prior to him, right, the, the, the church had, uh, their PR campaign was Mormon.org, I'm a Mormon. There were I'm a Mormon videos plastered mm. all over Times Square in New York. There was all sorts of Mormon um, PR. And then, yeah, when President Nelson took over as prophet, became the prophet, um, he, he flipped that on its head. So they rebranded the church website. They rebranded every, uh, I mean, almost every church entity, even like a lot of their schools got new names. Like all of it was rebranded around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they, they did their best to completely eradicate the word Mormon from vocabulary, even to the point where they would try to, you know, tell, tell members of the church that the word Mormon was offensive. And it's like literally 10 years ago, it was your PR campaign. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't understand the massive shift there and I'm okay. Like, I don't have to call you Mormons. That's fine. Like we can call you whatever you want to be called it. But, um, but, but yeah, in an attempt to, um, look like, feel like more mainstream Christianity or, or claim that they are a denomination of Christianity. And that's why this, this essay ends with this line. It says, There is no good reason for Christian faiths to ostracize each other when there has never been more urgent need for unity in proclaiming the divinity and teachings of Jesus Christ. And how does that strike you now, Bo and KD, as you've left the Mormon church? And according to maybe that statement, it would sound like they would celebrate you leaving the Mormon church to go to another Christian church. And is that the experience you've had? Um, no, that's <laughs> not the experience we've had, which is, you know, I'm not saying that it's been terrible. Um, but there, there's definitely, we've talked about it a lot. So a little bit of bumps in the road and, and, uh, you know, uh, people just treat you a little different and think different things about you. Sometimes talk about you just, what they think, how they, why they think you're leaving. But, um, this statement is interesting to me because, um, I would agree with it, uh, because there is no good reason for Christian faiths to ostracize, ostracize each other 
um, when there has never been a more urgent need for unity in proclaiming proclaiming the divinity and teachings of Jesus Christ. I definitely agree with that. Um, the issue I have with this is that Mormons, the divinity of Jesus Christ is is a different concept in the Mormon faith than it is in Christian faiths. So um, that's that's where it is a confusing statement to me because as we've talked about, Mormons have a different belief in Christ. And as you've said, Brian, the most important thing is our belief in who Jesus is and our relationship with him. So I want to just finish with this one thought, because if I was writing an essay for my church about our Alpiners, you know, people who go to Alpine Church, our Alpiners Christian, I would, that whole essay would be about Jesus. That whole essay would be about what we believe about Jesus, the biblical Jesus. And I find it really interesting. And again, to me, this is so revealing. If Mormons are listening, I hope you'll, I hope you really let this sink in. Christianity is not about creeds. Christianity is not about churches and organizations. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. And it's about what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is about. And so if you're a Mormon listening who maybe you're investigating, maybe you're thinking about it, maybe uh, we've said it before, we'll say it again a thousand times, make your pursuit about Jesus. Don't make it about a church. Don't make it about a leader. Don't make it about a personality. Make your pursuit about Jesus. Find out who Jesus is. Find out who the Bible says Jesus is. And that will lead you to a church that is truly Christian. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.